so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm really happy to be back today. It's a beautiful day, and I've got a, a wonderful show I'm really excited about. So um, our show today is we're going to be talking about a conference that I'm very fortunate to be a part of called Building the Future of Women's Health Conference, which will be held in Minneapolis uh, with the Park Nicollet um, Hospital Group and Medical Center. And um, so uh, that will be October 10th and 11th. If you're thinking about wanting to come and join us, we would love to have you do that. Um, Okay, Um, it's been a long, it has long been known that when we give a woman a hand up, she lifts an entire village along with her. The same is true about healthy women. For almost as long as there have been humans on earth and efforts to improve health have been a priority, women have not been the focus of that learning, research, and education. This show is an introduction to the Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital Conference And it is a foundation to begin building a far greater focus on women's health. Three of the conference speakers are joining me today to talk about the conference and some specifics about their own presentations. Tanya Abreu is the conference curator and will share how to capture the mind, market, and hearts of people passionate about improving women's health. And Dr. Alba Rodriguez will share her revolution in pain and stress management. Dr. Loretta Bruning will talk about positive results from positive moods. So join me in welcoming all three of these passionate women leaders. So Tanya, are you there? I am here. Wonderful. So Tanya Abreu, um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you got involved in the conference? I most certainly can. I, um, I've been in women's health, strategic planning, marketing, uh, and communications for 34 plus years. And I, uh, most recently, I have an executive appointment at Parish Healthcare here on the space coast of Florida. But I'm also curating this amazing, uh, groundbreaking conference. It's been years since there's been a conference that really focuses on new models, non-clinical models in whole health for women that drive the profitability of an entire hospital or health system. So I was asked to curate this, um, that our host hospital, who's also touring interested uh, attendees, is Park Nicolet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis. And uh, so I am working with all of the speakers uh, and the organizers and the hospitals to make sure this is an amazingly valuable event. Wonderful. And, excuse me, Dr. Elba Rodriguez, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with pain and stress management and who you're you're doing it for? Sure. Um, Thanks for having me on your show. I'm so excited about this. Um, 
I have a background in psychology and neuroscience, a doctorate in that area. And um, after I graduated with my doctorate, I went to Henry Ford Health System in Michigan, uh, where I became the associate director there of their Center for Integrative Medicine. And one of the things that I was doing there was tracking health outcome measures to see how are we doing with what we do. And uh, when a, a very important thing that we noticed was that our number one issue for which people were coming to see us there was for pain, all kinds of pain. And so uh, we created these outcomes tracking systems to see how we're doing. And then what I also helped to do is then evaluate those systems and set up uh, research programs based on those things to find how can we best impact pain and stress and stress-related conditions because we all know that those stress is the underlying factor for chronic pain and so many other conditions. So I spent um, more than a decade working with Henry Ford Health System, designing, executing clinical trials and programs to work with people both on an individual basis but also in large groups uh, such as hospital uh, patients, um, employees of our hospital. We did work with local community groups and organizations like Dow Chemical, Chrysler, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, uh, and in large groups so that we could best impact the largest number of people and teach them not only to manage pain, but to resolve pain, which is really important. And um, uh, I'm now the Chief Scientific Officer for Somatic Functional Therapy and continuing this work. And I was contacted by Tanya. She hooked up with me on LinkedIn, and she told me about the work she was doing with this conference. And, you know, we got to meet in person. I was very excited about participating in building the future of women's health. Oh, hi. <laughs> I am uh, busy thinking about uh, the next thing here, I guess. So, um, yes, so I want to introduce also Dr. Loretta Bruning. And if you could talk about a uh, little bit about what your background is and then how you got into dealing with the chemistry of the brain. Sure. Um, I was a college professor for 25 years, and I was rather frustrated that my students didn't seem especially motivated, and my own children didn't seem especially motivated, and I noticed that other faculty members, that their students and their children were not especially motivated. So I really lost confidence in the motivational model that I had learned, and I started doing my own research. I took early retirement so that I could have the freedom to go beyond the usual academic view of things. And I was amazed to discover the brain chemicals that make us feel good are inherited from earlier mammals. And I'm talking about dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphin. And when you know what these chemicals do in animals, like in monkeys, it's amazing because you say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we're doing all the time. And animals basically do what it takes to stimulate these chemicals, and that motivates survival behavior. And we are constantly trying to do things that stimulate these chemicals in order to feel good. And that's just the beginning. And so I wrote a lot of books about it. I have a website, and I have a lot of resources for people who don't like to read books. And so it's all at innermammalinstitute.org. Okay. Um, I didn't quite hear the end of that. Do you want to repeat um, the website? Uh, InnerMammalInstitute.org. Great. Thank you. 
Um, so great. So we are back to talking um, about all of these wonderful things. Um, I, Tanya, do you want to talk a little bit more about the conference at all and how you brought things together and what were you thinking about as far as when you knew you had this um, topic of women's health? Um, where did it go from there for you? Yes, uh, I, that's a great question. And, you know, I think we are at an amazing time in healthcare. People are so afraid of the time we're at, but it truly is the dawn of what I call real health, whole health. Um, you know, just, just listening to the introduction of, of Dr. Rodriguez and Dr. Bruning made me realize that one of the reasons why, I mean, we have tradition, we're going to be talking pelvic health as pure profitability at the conference. We are going to be talking about beyond breast diagnostics. You know, we will be talking in very traditional ways. But the crux, critical core of this conference is that there is a new definition of health emerging. It is being driven by women. Women who make 90% of the healthcare decisions get rid of our pain, we want to manage our stress so that we can sleep better, and we want to learn how to cultivate happiness. And it is that approach to health is what women want, and is going to make a hospital healthcare system on top and come out profitable. So I'm very proud of right now when I hear Dr. Rodriguez and, and Dr. Bruning talk about, and here's how you're going to learn to happier every day, because that, in terms of my expertise of a couple of decades, talking to physicians, working at some of the best hospitals in the country, is really where we're going with population health management and women driving the healthcare system. Tanya, um, can I ask you, I'm not sure if you're on a headset, but if you can take that off or keep the, the phone really close to your mouth, it seems like you're kind of moving in and out. Um, I'm not sure oh, if everybody hears that, that that's but that's me. what that's, I'm hearing. That's my Italian hands. I, I hear it. Oh, I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'll hold um, the phone close. Okay. So, um, Alba, could you talk a little bit about when, when you were approached about doing this conference? What was your thinking? Well, you know, I... I like I said, Tanya approached me, and first of all, you know, I checked out Tanya <laughs> because um, I, I looked on the Internet and I said, what has Tanya been up to? I said, wow, she is doing some great work with hospitals and with women's health. And so my thoughts were, you know, this is such a necessary thing because, like Tanya said, it's women that make the healthcare decisions. And part of that is because, you know, a research, recent study by Cleveland Clinic, they did a survey, and they showed that just men will do just about anything to avoid going to the doctor. <laughs> 72% yes. of them would rather do housework than go to the doctor, and 70%, would even choose to go shopping with their significant other. And you know nobody wants to do that, right? None of them want to do that. So, so it is. It's up to the women because they're, they're the ones that take on the responsibility of, of making sure that they're healthy and that their families are healthy. So I was really excited about this because um, what we do with, with somatic functional therapy is really teaching, teaching people how to take control of their own health and resolve a lot of their own problems. 
um, and also teaching nurses how to do this so that they can work with people as educators as well as nurses. When we all know that nurses have a heart for that, they want to do what the best thing is for their patients. And so this allows, um, my thoughts were, wow, this would be great because nurses and other healthcare providers, they want to provide tools for patients to really um, have ongoing health, not just every time you come to the hospital, but living your life in a healthful way. Alba, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you here for a minute, and we're going to go to break. We're seeming to have some um, difficulty with the sound, so let's just go to break here. Um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here today talking about a health conference in Minneapolis um, that is being put on by the Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital, um, Hospital System, and I'm here with Tana Abreu. Dr. Loretta Bruning and Dr. Elba Rodriguez, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Thank you. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today... 
please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And today we're talking about women. We're talking about women's health and a conference that is going to be held in uh, Minneapolis, October 10th and 11th. It's being put on by Mark, uh, Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital. And um, I am talking with three of the speakers that are going to be involved. Tanya Abreu is the conference curator. Uh, she's a talented supporter and advocate of nursing for more than 30 years. Alba Rodriguez is um, creating inroads in pain and stress management for providers and patients. And Loretta Bruning is leading the way for women to use techniques supportive of positive moves and uh, showing correlation to of improving hospital morale and clinical outcomes with this. So, Alva, we were in the middle of talking to you, and I so apologize I had to interrupt you. Um, could you step back just a little bit and, and uh, repeat some of what you had said for our audience? Wonders of modern technology, huh? Yes, isn't it? And live, <laughs> live media. <laughs> yes, hopefully this is a little bit more clear. Is that better now? Sounds good to me. Awesome. So I was talking about, um, I think we were talking about the importance of women and, uh, and nurses and the reaching out to people and helping people to learn about how to resolve their own pain and their own stress problems. And um, this is what we really focus on at Somatic Functional Therapy is teaching people the tools that they need to intervene with pain and stress and the stress response so that they're better able to, you know, nurses care for themselves so that they can better care for others and their patients to learn the tools that they need to successfully impact these issues so that, you know, we can have uh, hospitals doing what they're really great at, which is, you know, intervening in emergency medicine and a lot of these other uh, issues rather than having to be uh, dealing all the time with things that people can sort of resolve on their own. So it, it's a combination of those things, and I think that's mm-hmm. how we can really make the biggest impact in healthcare is teaching, giving people the tools they need and teaching them exactly what they can do to resolve these issues or at least dramatically impact them on their own. The good news is that the women that are coming up now are very savvy with uh, Internet and technology and um, I think are very aware of uh, needing to do exercise and needing to do different things for themselves. So at least they've heard it if they haven't started practicing it for themselves. So I think that's definitely a positive as we go forward. Uh, I think in the past, women were, um, the culture just said we should give and give and give until we couldn't give any more. And that's what a lot of women tried to do and got into trouble with it. So um, Loretta Bruning, could you tell us a little bit about when you heard about um, doing this conference, what were your thoughts and what did you feel you wanted to bring to the conference? Sure. I was so excited because my work is not usually part of the medical world because, as most people know, when you hear about dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, or endorphin, 
We often hear of them in the context of what I call the disease model, which suggests to people that your happy chemicals should flow effortlessly all the time, and if they don't, then you have a disease and the doctor could fix it. And when you see how these chemicals work in animals, you see that they're not meant to flow all the time for no reason. They're meant to just reward you in little spurts when you take a step that promotes survival, and your brain has a quirky way to define survival, which I'll explain, and the bottom line is you just get a little spurt, and then you have to do more to get more, and this can be a frustration in our life until you understand that it's normal that that's how our brain is supposed to work. It's not supposed to give us effortless happiness. It's supposed to motivate us in a world where there was no refrigerator and no supermarket, and you had to constantly look for food, and these little spurts. Um, motivated you, kept prodding you along, and that's what made our ancestors feel good. And hmm. um, the complication in how we get them today is that anything that turns on your happy chemicals when you're young builds neural pathways that tell you to expect to get them the same way later on. So we all basically keep trying to repeat whatever worked for us a long time ago, and needless to say, that, that can't work for everybody, anybody. I can't work for anybody because, you know, life changes. So it's a matter of understanding our power to turn on our chemicals in new ways and to build new pathways to make it easier. And that's what all of my books and work explains to people how to do. In a lot of ways, that's really so reassuring um, because I think for some yeah. of us who have dealt with you know, various illnesses, um, uh, injuries. I've, as a nurse, I had a lot of injuries. And, um, you know, sometimes the depression that comes along with it, you feel like, what's wrong with me, um, you know, that I'm feeling yeah. this way, that feeling that um, uh, I, I lambasting yourself, you know, oh, I did this to myself, I know I shouldn't have done this, that, and the yeah. other thing, and yet I did it, and so now where am I at? Um so uh, I just, um, as a personal uh, situation, have you been in that situation where, um, and I guess I throw this out to all of you, where your body is not working or doesn't seem to be working in the way you were hoping or wanted it to work and at a loss to know which direction uh, to go to make it better. So um, Alba, could you talk about that a little Oh, sure. Well, let me tell you a quick story about my cousin. My cousin uh, is, was, up until recently, the director of an emergency department at a hospital. And like other nurses, you know, a big stress situation, she woke up one day with her neck a little stiff, and by the end of the day, she couldn't move her head. She was in horrible pain, she, you know, pain shooting down her arms. By the time uh, she realized what happened. She was in the emergency room, and she spent a week mm-hmm. in the hospital with, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting every test under the sun, uh, outrageous pain that no drug would touch, and, you know, she was at her wit's end. They wow. sent her home because they basically told her, not only do we not know what caused this pain, we don't know what to do for you. And um, I was talking with her the next day, and I said, well, here, here's some things that you can do. And so... I, I gave her some very simple things that she could do at home, you know, five minutes a day, and within a couple of days, the pain was nearly resolved. And so it, the, the problem wow, is... Wow, what was it? What was know, it? 
have, that's with somatic functional therapy. They're going to have to come to the conference to find out. <laughs> uh, no, but, but <laughs> actually just some very simple movements that help reconnect your brain with your body. So we're retraining the brain to stop the pain. So a, a lot of people are just walking around with muscles that have become habitually contracted. So you'll notice that when you're stressed out, you know, and you've got your shoulders up around your ears, you're not doing that on purpose. In fact, somebody might come up to you and say, oh, man, your shoulders are tight. And you go, yeah, I know. But if you know, why are you holding your muscles tight? Well, you're not doing it on purpose. You're doing it because it's become a reflex. And so we teach people how to intervene at that level, at that reflex level of the stress response with some very basic, uh, simple, easy-to-do movements to get the brain back in touch with that reflex and take it out of a reflex mode and put it back under conscious control. And that way those spasms, which are a lot of the things causing that pain, um, are decreased and that most muscles come back under your control and the pain goes away. Uh, and, and obviously mm-hmm. there's more to it than that, but that's a very simple explanation of what, what I taught her. Yeah. It's... Um, it's the kind of thing, if you knew that back when you first started doing this or you first started getting into that situation, um, you know, you could have probably prevented years and years of problems in your life. Um, but anybody like me, where I did that for so long, you know, decades, and it became such a habit and such a pain pathway to my brain that yeah. even consciously trying to change it um, often would, was not enough. To, to make Absolutely. it get better. And, and you have to learn to way, exactly um, how to change it, not just, oh, okay, well, you need to sleep better and you need to relax. That's not enough. You have to learn yeah. the, the specific steps on how to do it, and that's what makes mm-hmm. the difference. Sure. Somebody else was trying to get in? Uh, yeah, uh, just to talk a little bit about these pathways. It's so interesting. So... Um, we are all born with billions of neurons, but no connections between them. So we all hmm. wire ourselves up in youth. And if you look at an animal, like they're basically functional a few weeks after they're born. And humans take longer to wire our brains up than anybody, than any mm-hmm. other animal, um, because basically because we have bigger brains. But the bottom line is that whatever you wire in when you're young, that's sort of the highway system of your brain for the rest of your life because it already took so long. We're not meant to chuck it when we turn 18. So there we all are with this neural highway system that we have when we're young. Now, we all have billions of other neurons that we could be using, but we don't use them because they're not connected. And that's why we effortlessly send our electricity down the old pathway because mm-hmm. it's like water flowing into the pathways that exist. And it's very hard mm-hmm. to send water into an undeveloped little pathway. So that's why it's so hard to do something new and why it's so easy to do something old as much as you don't want to do it. And the more I people see. understand that, the more they sort of understand their power to um, redirect their electricity into a new neural pathway. And if you do that a few times, then you will develop a new pathway. That makes so much sense to me. And I'm actually I, envisioning like I'm this right. huge sewer type tube and then these tiny, tiny little maybe capillary type tubes and recognizing it's sort of like the, the path less traveled. We, we want to learn how to follow yep. the path less traveled. 
Was Tanya, was that you in the background? Yeah, it was. I just think this is very exciting. You know, I know as I work in the field of hospitals and hospitals trying to plan for easier, um, more cost-effective futures, that one of the things we hear, of course, from our healthcare providers, our nursing population and others, is the the word burnout, right? Exhaustion, fatigue. But we also know that the number one complaint of women in the physician office is fatigue. Um, and so if we can fight fatigue as a diagnosis, which it's becoming on paper as we try to decrease our healthcare costs and fight things that might not need necessarily medication and might need a more somatic approach, if you will, if we fight fatigue with things like somatic functional therapy, with the idea that we can retrain our bodies, our brains to produce chemicals that boost our immune system, that, you know, happiness is healthy. It's, it's scientifically proven. So if we can do the things that make us release endorphins and other happy neurotransmitters, our immune systems are better, chronic disease becomes less of a risk. It really is a solution, number one, for hospitals and healthcare systems to think about for their staff to make the staff less prone to medical error, less prone to burnout. And then, of course, it's an important part of any hospital service line planning. How do we approach the psychosocial and, you know, psychoneurological dimension of our patients so that they heal faster, so that they don't come back and we don't get paid. I mean, it's just, it's going to be so much fun October 10th and 11th in Minneapolis <laughs> to really kind of sort through and explore these areas. Mm-hmm. And come at it from a number of different ways. Uh, when you're talking, one of the things that c- occurs to me is, as usual, it seems like hospitals and nursing ignore everything of the research on what works and and what is helpful. And we do the old-fashioned, you know, just grind through it. Um, One of the things that I think about is, you know, even in an eight-hour day when I was working uh, on an OB department, it was very often that we didn't get any breaks, much less, you know, three breaks. Um, and then now I know that nurses are working 12-hour days and the patients are so much more acute. So again, you're not taking breaks. You're not even going to the bathroom sometimes. Um, uh, that was kind of the joke with, with nurses is that, you know, you, you, the criteria to be a nurse is how big is your bladder. And these are the kinds of thinking that is, uh, we called it in the trenches. We felt like we were in the trenches. And you think about warfare, and this is not where people optimally can operate. And so we have to figure out how can we change this so that we're actually creating opportunities for rest, for relaxation, for whatever it is that both refreshes the nurse, and then she can bring that refreshment to the patients. Any thoughts from anybody? Um, and teach the patients. Tana, do, Tanya, do you want to say more, or is that what you had in mind? Well, you know, I think I, I think Dr. Bruning, I, I think that you have real experience, kind of thinking about what are the practical yeah. applications of of this. So, I would love for you to speak to this. Sure. Um, so it's all about expectations because an expectation is a real neural pathway. 
So it's sort of like a cliche, like if you get a cookie for doing some certain thing, then that releases dopamine and it builds a dopamine pathway. Then you expect to get a cookie the next time you do it. So to use your nursing experience, it's like you expect to not get a cookie. Right. (laughs) You know, you expect, when you have negative expectations, then you, um, you release negative chemistry and you don't release positive chemistry. So we really each, we each have really the individual power over our own expectations. And we really have to build in positive expectations into our day. And what I'm saying is really small expectations. So I don't mean like puppies and rainbows and climbing mountains because it has to be realistic in order for your brain to believe it and give you the chemical. So we can all think of like, what's something I can feel good about in the next hour? And then focus on that, and then your brain will release the positive chemistry. Hmm. So what kinds of things would you suggest, like a nurse, to be able, I mean, oftentimes you can't really focus on your own body at all. You just find yourself constantly thinking, what has to be done, in what order, and who needs me now? Uh, yes. Well, it's, then it's a matter of finding the reward in that. So, for example, um, who needs me now? Well, maybe there's an interesting aspect to that case. Maybe it's a social aspect. Maybe it's a medical aspect. And then the next hour, like, what can I learn from that interaction? What can I learn from that interaction? Um, And then, you know, when we have future goals, to break them down into very small steps. So how can I take a step toward my future goal today before lunchtime? You know, I know it feels like we don't have any time, but like, well, maybe interacting with this patient, I can see that as a step toward my future goal. So it's Mm -hmm. always seeing the reward element. Um, When I say dopamine is a resource reward, serotonin is um, uh, confidence and assertion. So it's say, I'm going to speak up and that's going to give me pleasure. And oxytocin, that's the bonding chemical. Every time I feel bonding with someone, social Mm. trust, I get the reward of that chemical. So we can always look for that element in our tasks. That actually is an important thing because I can relate to that. There are units that I've worked on where it's very dysfunctional and people, everybody's looking Mm. out for themselves. And so there isn't that collaborative or that feeling of family. And then I've worked on units that were tremendously collaborative and we were all watching each other's backs. It's like um, uh, many times somebody would come up to me and say, Leanne, you need to take a break. And I would say, I don't have time to take a break. You need to go now. I will take care of whatever it is you have going on. And it was in that process that, We started, because we were each doing it for each other person, we began to realize that we could trust one another. And then there were good feelings just coming on shift and saying, oh, I get to work with this person today, which means the day is going to go better. Um, Doctor, um, Exactly, and that's positive expectations, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Rodriguez, uh, Alba Rodriguez, um, a lot of nurses are, are functioning in pain. And drugs is often the only thing they know of to be able to relieve that. What what do you have to share with um, uh, patients or th- with nurses that how they can deal with these issues um, 
either on the unit or before they go on the unit? What, what are your thoughts? Well, one of the things that we see in research, and uh, we've done about 10 years of research on these programs, is that um, people can be taught and can learn effectively how to specifically impact their pain and their stress levels in the moment. So you don't have to go off and meditate for 30 minutes. There's something you can do right there on the job in 30 seconds that will significantly impact your pain and impact your stress. And like anything else, it's something that you learn. So what we found in 10 years of research doing educational programs, and these were often for, you know, like, for example, for our own hospital system at the time where we were working with nurses and physicians and other, other staff, is that people can learn to completely resolve and what the data showed was about 40% of pain conditions completely resolved. So that's zero percent, I mean, zero level of pain. And they huh. also learn, uh, and 80% are significantly improved. So if you can resolve 40% of your pain conditions and improve 80%, what kind of difference does that make in your life? And along with that, the stress, which is the underlying factor of not only the pain, but the depression and the anxiety and the fatigue and all of these other issues that co-occur with pain, if you can impact those without having to take a medication that's going to have all kinds of side effects, that's going to make me, maybe make you sleepy and not at your best, um, if you can do this yourself with your brain and your body, what kind of impact does that make in your life, not only as an individual, but what kind of impact does that make in your work, with your patients, with other people that you come into contact with? And, and that's basically the important thing is how you can learn to do this yourself um, in a way that just becomes part of your life. That's fascinating because I guess when we started this um, show, I was kind of thinking that Loretta and Alba, that your your work was somewhat separate, but I'm seeing it's really intertwined very, very nicely because it, it's all about developing that expectation that you can relieve your own pain or they can, you can use that path less, less traveled. And if you have that confidence, then even in just a few minutes, you could probably... Um, release those endorphins or release what you need to be able to relieve the pain, um, especially if it's tension, if it's anxiety, if it's worry, if it's, oh my gosh, I'm, I already have this pain in my head, how am I going to be able to do a 12-hour shift? I can see where that just would potentiate and increase it as it goes along. Let's uh, take a break here and we can come back in just a couple of minutes. But um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we are um, talking to three of the speakers who will be at the Building the Future of Women's Health Conference uh, put on by Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital on October 10th and 11th. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating conference. So we will be back in just a couple of minutes and we will talk again. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. 
Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I am just thrilled to be talking about women and um, and women's health. I think this is something that is long overdue uh, to be able to focus on, and, and I'm really happy to have all of you here with me to do that. So I'm talking today with um, Tanya Abreu who is our conference curator, and she is a talented supporter and advocate of nursing for more than 30 years in the past. Uh, Dr. Alba Rodriguez is creating inroads in pain and stress management for providers and patients, and Dr. Loretta Bruning is leading the way for women to use techniques supportive of positive moods and then being able to um, uh, manage uh, your your life as you're going through your life and, and working in ways that you wouldn't even think of possible. So, um, Dr. Uh, Bruning, I'd like to bring you in and just, uh, uh, you had said there was another topic you'd like to bring up and, and, and um, talk a little bit about. Yes. Um, so I'd like to talk about serotonin. Now, we never hear this from the disease model, but monkey studies in the 70s and 80s showed that monkeys are constantly competing with each other 
and whatever monkey puts himself in the one-up position gets a little spurt of serotonin. And then it's soon metabolized, and then they have to put themselves in the one-up position again. Now, research on animal behavior has shown forever that animals are very competitive. And we can all see that animals are competitive, and we can see that people are competitive, and we can see that people feel good when they come out in the one-up position. And yet it's Mm -hmm. so taboo to acknowledge that you care. And so what people do is they run around in circles over this, and in order to be, like, quote-unquote, a good person, like, they think they have to put themselves in the one-down position. That feels bad. And then they get angry at the other person who they believe is putting themselves in the one-up position. So you Mm -hmm. end up depriving yourself of the serotonin feeling. So our challenge is first to acknowledge that social comparison is an automatic natural function of the mammal brain. Mammals are constantly comparing themselves to others and seeking the one-up position. And we're challenged to find a, a socially acceptable way to do that. And the way I recommend is just in the interest of time is very simplistic is um, the classic thing is when you leave a room, how easy is it for, a ma- for you to imagine that people are saying bad things behind your back? Mm-hmm. Well, just spin it around and imagine people saying good things behind your back <laughs> because it's all invented mm-hmm. anyway, and your bad feelings go away when you open to the possibility that people are not, you know, being hard on you the way you assume and that you also have a right to want to be in the one-up position just like you see everyone else has that right and you can seek it in in acceptable ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess, you know, for myself, I noticed that uh, a collaborative mode for me gives me that feeling of serotonin, that, that little bit of boost. And maybe it's well, because oxytocin. I... The collaborative okay. is oxytocin. Okay, so that's you the... you also it, want a one-up feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some people get it by, like, having a bigger bladder than someone else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, more so, self-deprivation. So whatever did it for you when you were young. So if self-deprivation gave you the one-up position when you were young, then that's how you got wired. Huh. Interesting. That probably is true. So, um, yep. Uh, Dr. Rodriguez, oops, I'm sorry. Loretta, were you, did you have something more there? Oh, no, I just said yes, for all of us, for many of us. Uh, Okay, I'm sure that's, especially for women, I think, more than even men. Um, Dr. Rodriguez, can you um, share anything from your point of view that you think would be helpful for nurses going forward and um, sure. Actually, uh, uh, what she was just, what Loretta was just saying, reminded me of some research that that we talk about in in these uh, educational programs. Um, it's very interesting. There's a tribe of uh, mammals, primates, um, baboons, I think they are, um, and a researcher has spent many many years studying them. And what he found is that they have this very hierarchical social system where you know mm-hmm. the uh, uh, male uh, head of the tribe is the guy in charge, and he kind of torments the guy, the, the the females below him, and the females torment the youngsters, and they all have this, you know, really stressful environment. 
And the interesting about, thing about that is that stressful environment leads to many of the types of chronic illnesses that we as humans have. So, um, you know, they're getting the heart disease, they're getting the high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and they're the only animals that really uh, have those same types of stress-related issues that we have as humans. But what they found is, at a certain point, the male, gr- the, the male primates ended up dying because of uh, an unfortunate situation with some poison food, and the females took over. And uh-huh. so the females totally rearranged this social system where it wasn't this, hey, torment the guy on the ladder below you, but it became uh-huh. more of a cooperative system. And the whole uh-huh. dynamic of that system changed. And all of a sudden, the heart disease started lowering, the high blood pressure started lowering, um, and, and a lot of these stress-related conditions started to resolve. So I, I think it gives us, that's like the opposite side of what um, Loretta uh-huh. was talking about. It gives us... So here's, here's what the stress and our reaction to it is doing to us. But we can change that, you know, mm-hmm. not just with, I mean, with expectations and with brain chemicals, but with other ways to do that. And so we have to learn the specific ways to do that for ourselves and for our families and, you know, as nurses to teach our patients and to teach our, um, you know, male family members what we can do um, mm-hmm. to really impact these disorders so that we're healthier starting today. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is so true in so many ways. A lot of the research that's been done on all of these topics has been done on men. And mm-hmm. the assumption was that it was the same as for women. And the reality is women are so very different, built in a different way, um, often personality-wise. Um, you know, the chemicals, all of the different ways that we are different Um uh, that it is important that we do research and we do education. We start to learn about how is it that women operate. And I know in the past, like when they were um, doing research on drugs, the reason they didn't use women was because there were so many variables with all the the um, uh, hormones and the, the monthly changes of, of um menstruation and all of those things they just felt like they it was too hard to um to work aside from those things and so with men it was a lot easier there didn't seem to be quite as many changes going on like that but I think we have to figure out a way um maybe in just the minute or so that we have is that being worked on Dr. Rodriguez well, you know, we, we've done research, about 10 years of research with thousands of patients, and we get the same type of results with males and females. Um, you know, you they do. all improve their pain levels, yes. They all, okay. you know, improve their stress levels. They're reducing their anxiety, their depression, their fatigue. Um, you know, I mean, whether you're male or whether you're female, uh, that's something that you can do that actually will impact those things. So, I mean, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good, great news. Yeah, just one curiosity is, is there any differences in um, maybe the reluctance to take um, positive action toward dealing with it uh, in one sex over the other or not? Well, we found that when people are taught things to do that will impact their pain 
right now, not, you know, mm-hmm. six months from now, like going right. to the gym. You know, oh, if you work out for right. six months, you're going to feel better. No, do this now and you'll feel better. Then that sure helps to get over a lot of that reluctance because they go, wow, if I feel right. you know, 50% better after doing this once, I'm going to do this tonight and I'm going to do this tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to do this the day after. Yeah, and, it's um, sort of like getting the cookie also, right away. <laughs> Yes, right. You yeah. have to have okay. gratification, and, and it's better every time. So, so um, we found that, that people are willing to engage when they see quick results, you know, and they okay. can notice a difference right away. That's great. Tanya, so we are just about at the end here. We have a couple of minutes. Can you um, uh, take us out, tell us more about the conference, and, and uh, share what I, people I need to be- do if they want to come? Thank you. Thank you so much, Leanne, for this opportunity. Nursing is really, really, really pivotal for the future of healthcare. Always has been, but now I think it's time to take no prisoners and assert that fact. Um, this has been a very fascinating dialogue, and it will continue, and it will be translated into practical models for healthcare profitability, because this is the future. Prevention is the future. The cultivation of pain-free living, the cultivation of sleep. Um, people can register right now, and there is a code. Uh, it's a secret code that I'm going to give to the listeners. It is hospital, H-O-S-P-I-T-A-L-50, and it will give a listener 50% off the registration fee. You register by going on to Women's Health 19, that's Women's Health 19, oh, oh, yes, Women's Health 19 dot planning pod. Um, I'm sorry, it's Women's Health 2019, Women's Health 2019 dot planning pod, P-L-A-N-N-I-N-G-P-O-D, and if you use the code from once a nurse, always a nurse, from Hospital 50, you will come at 50% off the registration. And that includes an incredible networking reception where Dr. Bruning and Dr. Rodriguez will be there to talk and, and be scintillating. Thank you so I'm much, Leanne, wonderful. for this opportunity to be heard. You're so very welcome. Um, I'm thinking if... Uh, some of that was going in and out a little bit. So um, is it possible if they just um, put in building the future of women's health, will that bring up um, what they need? Um, yes. Yes, it would. It okay. would bring the link. And we're, of course, on LinkedIn. But the, the most direct way, like I said, is womenshealth2019.planningpod.com. Wonderful. We are out here, so I'm going to just uh, say this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And this is Leanne Meyer. I've been talking with my guests, Tanya Abreu, uh, Dr. Loretta Bruning, and Dr. Alba Rodriguez. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you, and I hope any of the other uh, listeners that can come. It would be wonderful to see you in Minneapolis. Bye-bye. <music> Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.